0: Welcome to On Air with Amber Wynn, where nonprofit leaders learn to fuse passion and commitment with
1: proven business strategies
0: to create long term funding, impact, and sustainability. And now, here's your host and resident philanthropeneur, Amber Wynn.
2: Hey, fam, it is Amber Wynn. You're on air with your girl and. This week's episode is Compliance Part 2. Last week, we talked about compliance as it relates to your organization, making sure that you keep your um, 501c3 tax-exempt status active. This week, we're talking about your programs, right? Um, I talked a little bit about compliance being a part of your fundraising strategy. This week, we really, really dive into that. Um, We're talking about how um, compliance is used in the big picture from a funder's perspective and how that really impacts your organization. We're going to dive into all of that. We're going to get into the details so you really understand why I get excited about compliance. I use compliance um, to set myself up powerfully for more funding, but we'll get into that right after this break from one of my sponsors.
0: Do you have a tool that organizes your company's paperwork and takes care of all your record keeping? Does your current record keeping system send you 90 day alerts to remind you that your key documents are about to expire and need to be renewed? Can you find contracts and procurement opportunities in seconds from any of the 50 United States so you can grow your business? Is your business organized so that you can tell which key documents are needed to efficiently run the business? How about woman-owned, small business, or disadvantaged business enterprise certifications? Do you have a checklist of all the key documents you need to become certified? Does your current system allow you to conduct market research from multiple sources and provide you industry and market data in seconds? Well, Small Biz Pro does all of that and more. Small Biz Pro is the number one business management, compliance, procurement assistance, and market research assistance tool on the market today. Download the app now and you will be amazed. It's like having three additional employees working for you, but you don't have to pay them. What are you waiting for?
2: We're back. You're on air with Amber. And I just want to do a little plug for Small Biz Pro because we're talking about um, compliance. One of the major reasons that nonprofits get into trouble is because, you know, you're doing the work. You're in the community and you're not really focusing on compliance issues like reports being due and taxes being due and things of that nature. And so it's incumbent upon you to put systems in place and with small biz pro one of the reasons why I like using it is because it gives you these alerts and I'm gonna let you know they can be annoying because they 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 alert you 90 days out 60 days out 30 days out but what that does it prevents you from missing deadlines and you can set it up in the portal if you have a report that's due to your funder right you set the the alert and it's going to let you know these things are important because um at the end of the day, you're asking people to give you money. And so when you ask people to give you money and they give you money, they want to report on it because they have to report to their board and they have to report to the IRS. And so if you're late with your reports, then they're late with reporting out. So it's like this domino effect. But what really always amazes me when I'm talking to individuals is like, oh, yeah, I was doing programs. I got to get them their report. I'm late, like, you know, 30 days. And I'm like, <gasps> You're late? Oh my goodness. When we talk about compliance being a part of your fundraising strategy, I need you to think about it this way. You ask someone for money, they gave it to you, and now you're late with the report. What is the likelihood that they are going to then refund you? Right. So in order for you to consistently fund your organization, you want to stay in good standing with your funder. The majority of that has to do with compliance, making sure you get them their reports, making sure that you have the data. All of that is tied into sustaining your organization. A funder does not have to refund you. If you suck as a grantee, trust and believe when you reapply, they're not going to refund you. So when I say that compliance is a part of... um, Your fundraising strategy, that's what I mean. When you submit your reports, it's proof that you did what you said you were gonna do in your proposal. So the proposal says, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna change the world, blah, 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 blah. They're like, yay, you're gonna do it. They give you the money. So the compliance part, the reporting part is, if you said, I'm gonna serve 75 girls, your report comes in and you've served five, that's proof that you did not do what you said you were gonna do, right? If you didn't, that's fine. You need to explain why. But it could also be either you're not qualified. You know, you mismanage the money. So many things could come out of that. But here's where I want to point out to the world: when people say that grant money is free money, it is not. It no, no, ma'am. It is not free money. It comes with attachments. It comes with um, um, accountability. This is where that free money. This is where that free money says, okay, what did you do? So grant money is not free money. No, you don't have to pay it back, but you definitely have to demonstrate a return on the investor's investment, right? Um, They're also going to look at things like how much of the grant did you spend? When did you spend it? And where did you spend it? How do they know all of that? When they ask you for your financials, when they ask you for your budget, when they ask you for your your, uh, balance statement or a statement of account, you can look and see in which quarter monies were spent. When they ask you for your receipts, they look at the dates to see when the money was spent. If you spent the money, you know, 30 days before it was due, then as a funder, what I know is you haven't been providing programs all of this time. Financials shows the activity of your organization. So, It's important that you understand grant money is an exchange for services and a funder is monitoring how you are stewarding their resources. And if you don't do a good job, they simply will not refund you. And when we talk about a strategy, you want to get in good with your funder. You want them to say, oh, yeah, let's make sure we fund Amber because she always gets her reports in on time. She always gives us the data that we ask for. Some people will submit reports. And I'm like, you didn't say anything like you didn't give them what they needed so that they can report out, you know. So I just want you to understand that that is important. What's also important from a compliance standpoint is you can't spend money on anything you want to to spend it on. They give you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The $250,000 was supposed to go specifically for the program. So for materials and supplies and for equipment, you decide you're gonna take that money and pay salaries. Well, guess what? That is mismanagement of funds. And that is the quickest way to get your name blacklisted in this very tiny funding community, cause it's small, right? So I'm in a room, I'm on several boards with other funders and, you know, we're just chit-chatting, whatever. What's going on? Do you know the organization X, Y, and Z? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do not fund them. Like, that's how it goes. What happened? You know, they decided that they were going to take the money and, and 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 spend it on salaries. They didn't ask you for permission. No, they just did it. Oh, okay. So it's a small community. And now you set yourself up. So not only have you... um. You know, burnt bridges with your current funder, but potentially from getting other funding because it's a small community. So compliance is extremely important. You want to always turn on your reports, turn in your reports early. I'm not even going to say on time. I'm going to say early because if they find something, you want to be able to fix it. Right. Right. Um, If there's a challenge, you want to report that early because sometimes you can say, hey, you know, we thought we were going to have 15 programs, but because of, you know, a pandemic, you know, we ended up only having seven and they were virtual. So we have savings. May I have permission to move that savings over here? You have to get permission because your proposal, your agreement stated that you were going to use that money for those 15 um, sessions. If they say, yeah, go ahead, take that 7,000 that you were going to use of that 15 and you use it for something else, but you have to get permission because it is a legal agreement. And if you don't do that, um, again, it's mismanagement of funds and it just opens up a whole can of worms for so many things. So when I say that compliance is extremely important for your program portion of your organization, I mean it it's important and it's powerful. Listen, when I was executive director, I would always call up my program officer and I would say, hey, guess what? We had this amazing thing happen. So when the program officer would go back to the board, they report out, Amber had this amazing thing happen. And then the other thing about that is, I told her about the amazing things because if something went wrong, I didn't want her to be like, oh, my God, you know, they they can't do a good job. They know that that's just um, an exception and not the norm. So compliance is important to the success of your organization. Compliance, providing data, statistics, measurable um, outcomes. That is the way that you continue to fund your organization. And that's why I get excited about it, right? Because it's not just about, you know, making those initial contacts with your funder. It's about donor cultivation. It's about creating a relationship. And if you give your funder the information that they need to demonstrate that their investment in you was um, beneficial, was productive, was impactful, then you increase the likelihood of them giving you more money. So it's a, it's a, it's a dance, you know what I mean? And, um, it's important that you understand that being late for reports, no bueno, um, not turning in information, not providing, um, things like receipts no bueno, no bueno. And they're not going to refund you and they're going to tell all of their other, um, you know, colleagues about your lackluster compliance, um, responsiveness. So that is a no, no, um, and I want you just to really consider that. All right. You know, I can get excited about this stuff. I really, really can. But we're going to pause right now and go into a, another commercial. I'll be back on the other side.
1: You're a school, a foundation, a health care provider, or an environmental group, a museum, a church, a shelter, or a community service. You're starting a nonprofit on a startup budget, and you need to get this right the first time. No mistakes no misunderstandings, and no costly do-overs. At Nonprofit Elite, we know what you need because we've been there too. Accurate information, mistake-free filings, and peace of mind assurance that your 501c3 application will be successful. This is what we do, and we are very good at it, all backed by our industry-leading guarantee and 100% IRS approval rate. But forming your nonprofit and obtaining tax-exempt status is just the beginning. Once you're up and running, Nonprofit Elite will consolidate the bulk of your operations into one place, including your accounting, compliance, website, fundraising, and more. We do the work of several full-time staff for just a fraction of the cost, so that you can remain focused on advancing your mission. Contact Nonprofit Elite for expert preparation of your formation documents and 501c3 application and for a full range of accounting, fundraising, and administrative solutions.
2: Hey, you're back with on Amber um, on air with Amber. Wow. Hey, you're back with On Air with Amber, and today we're talking about all things compliance for the program. And this is the time of our episode where you get to ask me your most pressing questions, what it is you want to know from me. You know, I can talk forever and ever about all kinds of things, but I really want to know what's important to you. So right now we're going to take a question and, you know, ask me, ask me what you want to know.
1: Hello, Amber. This is Jesse from San Diego, California. My question is about impact. How do you demonstrate impact for things like improved self-esteem or self-confidence? I know we make an impact, but I'm not sure how to quantify these types
2: of outcomes. Thanks. That's a great question. It is a great question, um, especially since we're talking about compliance and reporting. In the direct service sector, when um, when you're providing services to people and you're saying things like, oh, we're going to um, empower them to, you know, improve their self-esteem and increase their confidence. It is a challenge to quantify that. And your funders want to know, well, what is the impact that you made? If you promised to empower them, what does that look like? Uh, it happens, um, through correlation. So for example, if you're, um, if your clients didn't do certain things before your intervention and now they do those things, you can make that a correlation. Let me give you an example. Um, If your program is about building self-esteem and self-confidence, and one of the things that you do is have them do public speaking. Well, they weren't comfortable with public speaking before, but after your 12-week program, now they're doing podcasts and they're interviewing people. Well, that's um, a reflection. You can correlate that to them increasing their self-confidence or increasing their self-esteem. If um, the organization said that they're going to improve their confidence before they didn't feel comfortable with applying for jobs. You teach them job placement techniques, how to interview, um, you know, how to write a resume. You can correlate like, well, Before they didn't know how to answer these 10 questions. Now they can answer these 10 questions. So it's a correlation, the things that they didn't do before, whether it's an action or a behavior, um, you can say, well, before they didn't do it and now they do it. Or you can also demonstrate your impact through like a survey, just a pre and post. Say for example, um, you had them answer five questions before, and they couldn't answer them, and then after your intervention, they could. You could say 80% um, percent of, of participants reported feeling more confident in, in their skills than they did before they started, or 75% of you know the participants said that blah, 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 blah. So you're going to measure what they knew, did, felt before your intervention and then again you'll do a post survey and then that increase will demonstrate your impact right so if they weren't confident in their skills before um maybe them stepping into a role they're now a mentor well if you weren't confident you wouldn't feel confident being a mentor but now after this you're so confident you are so it's really about correlation And it's really about demonstrating based off of what was and what is now, how you can quantify your impact. I hope that helps, Jesse. And thank you so much for your questions. And for the rest of you, if you have a burning question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my social media um, or you can go to my website, leave me an email, whatever you want to do. An audio, like you've heard before, feel free to ask me a question. I'm here to answer all of of your questions. All right. So you know what time it is. This is my most favorite time of the episode. It's when I get to put a spotlight on the amazing nonprofits doing the work in the community. um, Most times selflessly, right? Um, This organization is called 86... mm, 82.6 LA. I don't know what's going on with my tongue today. 82.6 LA. Mm -hmm. It's a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to supporting students ages six to 18 with their creative and expository writing skills. If you guys don't know, I am a writer. I do all of this nonprofit stuff because it's the world that I live in. But if money wasn't an issue, Um, My passion is all about writing. So I get super geeked around organizations that um, promote writing and literacy and the creative mind. And so 826LA does that. Right. They help teachers inspire their students to write and um, their services are structured around their understanding that great leaps in learning can happen with one on one attention. And that strong writing skills are fundamental to future success. Strong writing skills are fundamental to everything. Grant writing, expository writing, business writing. So this is an organization that's near and dear to my heart. So let's, let's take a look at what they do.
0: la it feels more different because there's a lot of tutors that help us. I like writing stories about people that love me, people that I care about. Action, comedy, a little bit of romance. What I am best at writing is fairy tales. I think I excel in poetry, and I know that sounds like I'm bragging, but it comes really naturally to me. I'm best at writing stories about out-of-this-world characters or out-of-this-world stories. Writing is important because it, um, it helps you, like, express your emotions.
2: Writing is definitely everywhere, and writing plays a big role in creativity.
1: I think it's important to have strong writing skills because it can take you where you want to go in life.
0: You have, like, these ideas in your head that are literally like just floating around there waiting for you to like grab them and just write about them. Being a published author, I feel very privileged. When I see my stories published, I feel special. The writing that you get to do here, it gets to be published, which is pretty cool because not a lot of people can say, I am a published author, when you're like eight. Being a published author makes me feel great. When I see my name in a book, I feel like a real writer.
1: Being a published author makes me feel
0: valued. When I see my name in a book, I feel like I've accomplished something that I've always wanted to accomplish, and I've made myself proud. I think
2: 826 is special because of the warm community that's here.
0: No other place does what 826 does. It's almost like a second family. You have some way to work. I love you, 826 LA. I feel comfortable here because it's like home. These people are my family. They're around me, they're here to support me.
2: I would like to say that 826 LA is an amazing place because it really is. I feel safe.
1: I love 826 LA. I, I don't know, I've been going here for a couple years and I, I think this place is really great. It's different than just having a regular after school program or some place that's not like AT6 LA. I I like this place a lot from the bottom of my heart. I love it.
2: the work that you guys are doing in the community it is so amazing and like i said you know writing is near and dear to my heart um listen if you want to support this organization please support this organization um visit them at 826la.org right nothing there's nothing better than being fully self-expressed except for maybe being rich but that's another story for another day. Um, as we wind down this episode, um, I am going to share with you a thought that I have. And I touched on it earlier in the episode. And it's viewing compliance as a part of your funding strategy. In this mindset minute, I want you just to pause and just reframe your thinking about compliance. Right? If you view compliance as a part of your funding strategy, then it becomes a part of what it is you know you have to do. And what that means is when I decided, when I made the mind shift to seeing compliance as something that's good and positive and powerful, I made the mind shift such that um, it was just a part of what I had to do. But what that meant was that I put systems in place so that I could be very powerful, very productive, um, very impactful in my compliance. What does that mean? That meant, like I said, I I set up my systems, Small Biz Pro, so that I can make sure that in terms of dates, I'm always on point. um, Wave apps, I... Gather all of my receipts and I can produce financials that tell my story powerfully. Um, What else? Oh, gathering testimonials and um, success stories so that I can demonstrate to my funder the impact that I'm making. And it's not me just toot, toot, tooting my own horn, but it's my actual customer, my actual client saying, Amber is amazing. And without her, I know that my organization wouldn't have reached these goals because I didn't even know what I didn't even know. So at the end of the day, um, understanding that compliance is something that's positive. If you make that mindset shift, I think that it's going to help catapult you and take you um, to a deeper or higher level because you understand that using compliance as a part of your fundraising strategy is going to secure you more funds. It's how you get to that consistent part. Listen, you can submit a grant, three, four grants every year, but if you create relationships with your funders such that they want to fund you, that's less work. But it's also consistent funding, which is what you need as a nonprofit in order to um, sustain your organization so it's sort of a mind a mind set shift, but it's a good one because what you understand is that you 're laying the foundation for long term consistent funding, right When I made that shift when i when I moved from oh my god i've got reports due to oh yeah, it 's time to do my reports." And understanding that in doing those reports, I'm telling my story, right? I'm demonstrating my impact. I'm coming in saying, this is the reason why if you have discretionary funds, or um, I know that I'm going to apply again next year, or if there's a gap the year after, they're always going to say, we want to make sure we fund Amber because she gets us what, what we need. She demonstrates her, her impact and we want to continue to put funding um, in her bank account. So that's my mindset minute. I I hope that you can understand how using compliance is something that's beneficial for your organization and start to put things in place that will help you to be successful. It's not going to just happen. It's something that you've got to plan and put in place. And so I try and share resources to help you put things in place so that you're successful. All right. So that's it. Um, Wrapping up. Our two-part series on compliance, the first part, if you haven't listened already, go check it out. Part one talks about compliance with the organization, making sure that you keep your 501c3 tax-exempt status um, active. And then this part, this, this episode was about your programs, making sure that you are providing your funder, with quality content, that your reports are on time and that you shift your mindset so that you understand that compliance is a part of your fundraising strategy. All right, fam, that's all I have for you this week. Um, Looking forward to spending more time with you. Be sure to hit me up on all my social media channels. Let me know how you're feeling about the podcast, what topics you wanna hear about. If you have a question, leave it for me. Um, but mostly I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the community. And I know that it's a lot. And I know that, you know, the work that I'm asking you to do to strengthen your organization is a lot, but I guarantee you it's going to pay off, right? I guarantee you that if you implement the strategies and the things that I'm asking you to do, it comes from a place of making sure that you work smart and not hard. If you do these things up front, it's going to make your life easier in the back end. So I got you. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to support you because you support your community. So on that note, we're going to close out. And I'm going to thank you. Thank you for spending your time with me today. And I'll see you next week. Bye now. Thanks for listening. If you
0: enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Head over to www.amberwind.net slash podcast for the links and resources mentioned
1: in today's podcast. See you next time.